You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Custom Cold Set up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and it's a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz, a pre-bowl edition of Longhorn Blitz. We'll talk about it after a 38-27 win for Texas over Baylor closes out the regular season. Before we get going, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for your support of Longhorn Blitz. A decade and going strong, thanks to you, the listener. We would not be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for your support of the Blitz. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much. If you're not anywhere you get your podcasts, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click the follow button, get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. And don't forget to get over to Horns247.com for the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, notes, and nuggets, the best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. It's all there for you at Horns 24-7. All right, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Good. How was the fried yard bird on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Our family made some good yard bird and some good leftovers. Can't say enough about it. So, no, the fried turkey is is a big player uh, in the Butler family. Yes, that's the early morning Thanksgiving. The uncles always get going, and then the family's ready to eat it all up. <laughs> uh, a man who enjoys a good yard bird really Fowl of any variety uh, is on his plate. He'll enjoy it. Uh, he wears many hats for the Horn and the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie each and every weekday with Mike Harge from 3 to 7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Appreciate the intro, brother, as always. I do my best, and the Longhorns did their best and got a win, 38-27. Uh, I want to start with the defense, though, Rod. Let's do it. That The way the defense closed, and look, you can look at Baylor's offense wherever they're ranked, even though we did talk about Baylor's run game against the Texas run defense was going to be the matchup to watch in this game. Mm-hmm. The way this defense played in Big 12 play, pretty much after the Tech game, and the way they closed the season, really, you look at kind of the K State game on. Yep. Really, after the after the bye week, this was it was a pretty good defense, but it it's a good defense. It's a really good defense 
at this point, the way they played in the back half. And that continued. They shut Baylor out in the second half, 56 total yards. It's Baylor's uh, single-season lows for total yards mm-hmm. and rushing yards. Uh, Jalen Ford with another interception. Just a lot of good individual plays made. Rod, they just didn't give Baylor a whole lot to work with in the second half. Yeah, in the second half, and it goes to adjustments, right? That's what I love about this game. It's a, it's a great microcosm of the growth of this Texas team. We'll get into the offense too, but it was a game they had to win in the second half. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a great start offensively really hard. Defensively it was okay, but they still, defensively, it wasn't their best start. And they had to win this game in the second half. They had to win this game in the fourth quarter. I think it's it's almost you know uh, apropos that you want to try to you know figure out a way to quantify the growth of what eight and four means. That last game of the season, you had to win it in the fourth quarter. And our biggest issue with this team has been they're not a four quarter team. All right, they're a three quarter team. They usually depend on a great start, great game plan and preparation, and they want to ride that wave and just kind of hold on mm-hmm. for the rest of the game. Not in this game. You had to go find a way to win it in the fourth quarter, uh, and you're right, the defense made plays. And I'll give the credit to, uh, you know, I, so we'll talk about Jalen Ford and his playmaking ability. And and I said a couple weeks ago, defensive player of the year in the Big 12, I, I, I think right now it's almost a done deal. <laughs> yes. I don't know if there's anybody Amazingly in the Big 12 awesome. that is even close to what Jalen Ford is doing. We can get into it, but just talking about the overall defense. And this is what I want to talk about now, the end of the season. And I'm not going to be critical of, of, of Texas, but – I will say that I, I think they should have leaned on and identified the the identity of the defense and the offense earlier. The identity of the defense is simple. They're one of the better rush defenses in the country, period. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right? On the back end, they can be had. We all know that. We've seen that, right? They're coverage buzz. There are, there are certain concepts that work. We come up with the bunch formations where you're talking about throwing between the numbers, 0 to 19 yards. Those, those things have been there all year long. I've been talking about them all year long, mm-hmm. right? The in-breaking routes, mm-hmm. uh, the switch routes late. Uh, yeah, another one. I mean, the, the concepts that I've been talking about since UTSA, they really are persistent on the back end the entire year long. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Like, I'm just, I'm just watching film, so I'm just giving you guys the preview before it happens. Uh, but the rush defense, there's no question about it. From day one, every game, the rush defense has been consistent. They very few teams have been able to get, uh, kind of get the better, if you will, and 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 make Texas look vulnerable or exploit Texas in the run game. And I, I think, I guess TCU was probably be the only one. Um, but to me, if they would have gotten more offensive support in the TCU game, I don't think they would have been exploited to that extent. Yeah. But um, there's nothing on this team, honestly, and even the Texas. Run game in the running back room, nothing has been more consistent than the Texas rush defense. Yep, no, 100%. Because if you take out two big runs, you know, one in the Alabama game and one in the TCU game, those overall numbers in both those games look really good too, to where it's just the explosivity and just, you know, one wasn't a good run fill and then one guy went into the wrong hole. Like that's what happened. You can have individual blow ups and then. Your past defense had been, like you said, it seemed like certain concepts and certain scenarios they continued to get beat, but you also see the miscommunication there to where yeah. it's stuff they didn't grow from, but at least in those scenarios, those are things that explain what's happened. It wasn't like last season where you just saw chronic holes or just things exactly. that didn't make sense. Like There was improvement, but it wasn't as good as you had hoped in the hole because, like, if you look at the end of the year, according to Bill Simmons or Bill Conley's uh, S&P Plus, Texas defense go, it finished 14th in the country, according to him, Texas offense 20th. To think that the Texas defense could be better than the Texas yeah. offense would be just crazy. Fun. They'd be like, no way. Or yeah. you're like Texas playing for a title. No doubt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, we, we talked about it a lot last year, and it was a big offseason topic, even at times this year. 
got a Sark's quest to play complimentary football. Mm-hmm. Th- this was it, Rod. Yep. He got there finally mm-hmm. in in the in game twelve of year two. They got there because you look at the way this game unfolded, and like you said, it was a game they needed to win in the second half. But in the second half, what changed? Like in the first half, the offense was terrible, and and we'll talk about Quinn Ewers here in just a minute. Yeah, the but line. at the half, O-line. I just looked it up again just to verify it. At the half, play differential, Texas was minus twenty three in play differential. Yeah, it was like so, forty to seventeen. It was like Texas had. I, I forgot when they showed the graphic on ABC the amount of points. It was like Texas was getting almost a point per play compared to Baylor yeah. had seventeen points on exactly. forty plays. And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, this is this is the formula. Like the offense struggles, the defense is on yeah. the field too much. They're going to get worn down. So but it's the Joey McGuire formula yeah, that, that the, Baylor tried to use exactly going forward on fourth down. But in the second half, when you started running the ball, your play differential in the second half, you were plus twelve. And what was also the case in the first half? How many touches did Bijan have? But seven? Not very many. <laughs> yeah, it was like seven, Somehow, of, seven of the 18, I believe. Seven of the 18, 18 no, plays. That's, 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 that's a good ratio, but I think early on, I, in Sark, listen, I, I, I think Sark's doing a good job, and I love his adjustments. He had, you have an in game adjustments that we'll talk about specifically that helped Texas win the game. But it was almost as if <laughs> in the middle of the third quarter, the ghost of the late great DKR came down and whispered in Sark's ear and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad." <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, and we know obviously more things can happen, but most of them actually are bad. To give DKR his credit, and think about it, because Sark was listen, and, and, and Quinn Ewers actually wasn't bad, right? He wasn't terrible. Quinn Ewers was twelve of 16, 194 yards, one rushing touchdown, broke tendency in a big game, finally kept it <clears throat> on that uh, quarterback keep on his own read, which was great. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, you know, Beyonce size, making a stallion size, but is bad stuff kept happening when they were throwing the ball. Yeah. Whether it be the four sacks in the first half, whether it be Quentin Ewers with the safety of the intentional grounding, yeah. whether it be throwing it deep to Jay Witt and Jay Witt fumbling. It was just it, nothing was wrong with the pass game specifically, but bad stuff just kept happening. Yeah. It's like, you're mm-hmm. like, we're working harder, not smarter here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what are we doing? Put some Bijan on it. My 2022 motto, what you thought, what you, y'all thought you learned versus Kansas was just slather it in copious amounts of Bijan. And it was almost as if, and maybe Tashar Trust went up to him and said something to him. Maybe Rojo went up to him and said, hey, man, it's my last damn game, just so you know. And I need that I need that rock, all right? And me and my boy, we need that rock. I don't know what happened, but something happened to Sark, and he finally had the epiphany. And it was like, now we're going to run the rock. And it was probably Quinn Ewers having a fumble uh, that ended up becoming yeah. recovered for a touchdown. That was probably because after that, I think he runs the ball eleven straight times. Yeah, he almost got to the point. It was old school, new rocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Old school, you know, triple option, wishbone football. He was like, "No, we're just gonna run the rock. I don't care." It was like, hey, "We're gonna run the rock. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it." I think they had like you know one or two passes thrown in there down the stretch, but after that, he decided, you know what? Bad things keep happening when we're throwing the football. We are having success, but bad stuff is also happening. So. Why are you taking unnecessary risks? Yeah. And I think that's when he decided, and, I'm going to put some Bijan on And that was the main thing, the unnecessary risks, because you know what you have, especially having Bijan and Rojo, not only the last game, but if we even deleted that from the scenario, 
you got the ball, you got a chance to win, and you got these guys feed them because your own line cannot pass block this game. You had guys getting hurt, then you had penalties, and every single time that you ended up seeing what was eventually a Ewers mistake, it was stemmed from the front doing absolutely nothing and letting free runners start come at them even from the beginning and from the safety. You yep. threw eight passes in the second half, 34 official rushing attempts. Yeah. That's a, that includes sacks. But. He abandoned the pass. How often do we say that? He abandoned the pass. He yeah. took some it, growth. Took it for, for Sark. I yeah. wouldn't right? think for he would like do Sark. it. That's he awesome. He took it out in the backyard, shot it, and buried it. And like I said, this is a microcosm of the season, right? It's like, Sark, you, how, did you, how did it take you this long to figure out the identity of this offense? We've been talking about the identity of this offense for two years, and it's Bijan mm-hmm. with Rojo. That's it. That's the identity. Lean on that, especially with a young O-line and a young quarterback. That should have always been the identity. Yeah. And yet, Sark, I believe, like we all did, got a little enamored and fixated on, on Quinn Ewer's arm and his arm talent and what he could do and the uh, the, the unbelievable uh, route concepts and combinations that are possible with a golden arm that can make every throw. All those things are true, but it's also true that he is inexperienced. It is also true that he gets rattled like any young quarterback would. Mm-hmm. And why would you put that necessary burden on him? And I, I don't think he did that in this game. Too. See, I think they were. It was a user-friendly offense. I believe the de- degree of difficulty has been um, decreased within his passing mm-hmm. game, but still, bad stuff was happening. Yeah, yeah. It, well, bad. And I'm and I, what I've criticized is the feel of the game. Sorry, have a better feel for the game. Have a better feel. And he did. And he did. He felt he's like, no, it's ain't good. Now, whether it was the late great DKRS ghost that came down and said, Sark, Sark, Rojo, Bijan's last game, you need to run the rock. Whatever it was, he decided, okay, you know what? I'm just going I'm just gonna go back to the identity of the offense. And this is my this is my one little criticism of the season, right? And why you were eight and four and not playing in a Big Twelve title game. Because you could have beaten a tech or at Oklahoma State if you found out your identity earlier and stuck with it. Yep. You didn't know your identity was a great rush defense. Oklahoma State game, you should have figured out, oh, man, you know what? Our rush defense actually can stop these guys with light boxes. Let's devote our, our personnel and our resources to stopping the slant routes, the wide receiver screens on the outside, and the swing passes to the running backs. That's the only three concepts they're running. And then, boom, you can stop them and give your offense more chance to win. And then if Sark, complimentary football, by the way, if he understands, oh, you know what? I'm going to run the rock here to close out this game, you end up winning that game or winning that tech game. Game. And that's the point. They went back to complimentary football, but the key is in the first half, they weren't playing complimentary football because he wasn't running the rock. The key to complimentary football, to me, is sticking to your identity mm-hmm. yep. on both sides of the ball. Yeah, And, and he, was, he was disloyal to that early on in the game. But he found it. Yep, yeah. and if you look at just the way that the season sort of develops, it was like that first quarter against Bama, you were able to pass protect a ton. Since then, you haven't been able to pass protect. And every single quarterback, like in all of football history almost, is so much worse under pressure. If you look at just how Ewers finished the season. Now, if you look when not blitzed, 82.4 passer rating. When blitzed, 97. When he's kept clean, 97. But when he's under pressure, his pass rating, 42.4. Mm-hmm. And that type of gap is quite you know frequent amongst players that yes. are not elite. Because even NFL quarterbacks, if you look at it overall, clean, they're probably between 95 to 105. And if you look under pressure, the elite ones, even the Brady, the Burrow, the Mahomes, well, Mahomes this year is around 80. But normally they dropped at least in the 60s or 70 mm-hmm. pass rating. And the average ones are down around 50 or 40 to the bad ones are below that. So it's not as if it's to indict Quinn. Every guy's bad under pressure. Exactly. But if you can't identify that your O-line isn't protecting and for the last 10 games really wasn't able to protect much, 
then you can't put your guy in that type of vulnerability over and over and over. And he didn't, at least in that second well, half against just, Baylor. Not just that. He, and I don't think he did in the first half too much either because I do believe the concepts that he were throwing out quicker, for Quinn yeah. were quicker or RPO concepts were faster reads for him, simpler mm-hmm. reads for him. But just bad stuff was happening. It's, it's all right. I mean, he, he listen, when he threw the, uh, yeah, you know, the, the safety, right, which ended up being the intentional grounding. All you got to do then, you got to know as a quarterback, I got to find my check down, throw it at his feet. Yep. Wherever. And it was it was, it was, it was on the other side. It was the on the other side of the field. Yeah. yeah. You just got to find it real quick. Get oh, 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 there. You know what? Oh, oh, you got to recognize pressure's coming quick. Oh, you know what? I can't get it out. Boom. I'm going to throw it at the feet of my guy. And then it's not intentional grounding. Right. But he did. He just threw it at the feet of uh, a defender. Well, because Rojo yeah. was maybe blocking, so yeah. he didn't whatever go out. But but that's, to me. That side. Yes. But for for for, for him, like, that's it's so simple. So that's experience. Like, that's just uh, more reps at the yeah. position. So. It's time stuff. to throw his two two one against Baylor. To your point, like yeah, he was getting he rid, rid of it of really fast in rhythm, and when he was protected and had time, the you know it was on the money. He just you know like I said, you got to protect the ball. What is that experience? Mm-hmm. When you get sacked, sometimes it's better to go down. Don't just be eat, it, just it. eat it. Yeah, just eat it. Yeah, what? Oh, you know what? We want the punch. That's where he I got a great at. defense. We good. We good. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the mistakes to be even the sacks taken, they were just experience, inexperience. I should say. Yeah, right? I remember uh, something something Major Applewhite said a long time ago. As a quarterback, at some point you learn it's okay to reserve the right to punt. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Just live to fight another day. Yeah, exactly. And I just think he in those panic moments, he panicked. Yeah. And usually you want your quarterback not to panic. To your point, though, Rod, about Sark's feel for the game, and it, it's interesting because I, I just look at I look at last year's regular season finale and I look at this year's. You know, last year it was a run-heavy game plan because Sark was forced to, right? Well, how he, he, he went into Tuesday of that week not knowing if he was going to have a healthy quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it turned out Casey's thumb was good enough to where he could play a little bit and take some snaps, but they had to go heavy wildcat in terms of the initial yep. in, in terms of the early install days, and they ran a lot of wildcat last year. This year, it was more feel for the game, and he talked about it. What he chalked it up to the adjustments, kind of like you said, Rod. He said we thought we could get some things in the passing game, but either we didn't protect well, or it was drop pass, or whatever the whatever case it was. Is, exactly. It just wasn't clicking. He We're said they started it. running the ball, and they did it so well. Why go back to the pass when what you're doing is working? Beautiful. And he also said, he's like, if you if you guys notice, he's like, we weren't using a lot of you know shifts and motions and things like that. He's like, it was pretty simple stuff. He's like, basically, because he felt like that was causing all, the, pre-snap all the pre-snap penalties. He said, we were just jumpy. We were antsy for whatever reasons. He's like, we just went back to mm-hmm. simple day one, day two camp yep. install stuff. Yep. Pretty pretty simple run plays. In my notes, it did seem, yeah, definitely the pre-snap uh, shifts and motions dropped. I think something also did, and going into this game, if you go look at yards per play based on personnel groupings, 12 personnel all year long has been Texas's best yards per play personnel grouping. They get more yards per play out of 12 personnel than any other group. Go look at how much 12 personnel, true 12, not big 12. Yeah. True 12 is just Gunnar Helm and Jatavion Sanders. Uh, they're big 12s when they put Andre Carrick out there. Go watch how much 12 personnel, true 12 they run the first half. Very little. I'm talking about one or two plays. Yeah. Though. Now they don't have a lot of plays. First well, of and also they only had nine minutes of possession. We started there. to see so, less and less of Helm, yeah. and then Billingsley yeah. played a few games, and you didn't see much of Billingsley. By yeah, the end of the year, the, you didn't yes. see either. And of that's them. a good point about the Billingsley thing. No, no, no. twelve personnel has actually been their their best and most productive uh, personnel package uh, this season so far, and they didn't have much of it in the first half. In the second half, heavy true 12 personnel um, because they just, I mean, it, it worked for them. Yeah. And they also, in the first half, you go look at it, they ran some bunch formations, uh, compressed sets, but not many. And in the second half, they kept going back to that tripod bunch 
compressed set um, with either JT Sanders at the tip of the spear and the, the tip there of the triangle, the tripod, and then they would have Jay Witt flex there. So it was almost a, you call it a bunch formation, or you can call it kind of an inverted flex wing set, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure there's some fancy name for it if we'd like to dig that deep. But the truth is, it's basically kind of a bunch with the tripod out of 12, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, with two tight ends there, and then Jay Witt almost flex as your best blocking wide receiver, mm-hmm. probably better blocker at run blocker than some of your offensive linemen. The guy's <laughs> legit. And then basically they just, they, they would, it, I think almost Sark would ask Baylor to either defend the space because they were compressed, right? So you're defending space or you're defending numbers. Decide which one you want to defend. Yeah. Um, so at times they would run the compressed set uh, bunch formation to the wide side to force you to defend both space and numbers. Uh, and then you can decide where you want to run the rock because you're going to have numbers advantage somewhere depending on how they want to adjust to it. And they did that in the second half. Go back and watch it. They probably did that on the majority of their run plays in the second half. Mm-hmm. For they sure. had that tripod bunch formation. Formationally, that was his big schematic adjustment. And they, they threw the ball some out of it, but they were all quick passes. Smokes, which is just the wide receiver turns turns around to snap to the quarterback and he throws it right to him. Those were the Xavier Worthy. And then they had that Jay Witt 19-yard reception at Jay Witt, which essentially was an RPO. Yep. So they it, it, he just simplified it and they kept running that formation over and over. I know David Randall was pissed because he was like, <laughs> knew what was happening. Yeah. Over there, but they could not figure it out. And so I was like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Until you yeah. figure it out, I'm going to keep running it. And to me, that's the, that was a lesson too, right? In the Oklahoma State game, no, it's like, TCU game. I'll take both of them. TCU game first. He figured out late in the game what was working. The Jay Witt, the, the wide mm-hmm. receiver screens, mm-hmm. right? The bubble, the bubble screens were working a ton because they were they were trying to load the box. So if you don't have the numbers advantage in the box, you got it on the outside. So Sark figured that out late. Also, the empty formations. They were 4-4 on empty formations. Explosive plays at first downs in the second half. Quinn Hughes could feel it because he cleaned up his pre-snap read and it forced them to, to reveal what their uh, coverage was. They could mm-hmm. not be in a pre-snap disguise in that empty formation. So... Instead of doing it more, Sark kind of used it, you know, yeah. discreetly. He wanted to – I was like, no, no, Once you find out what works, do, oh. do it gratuitously. Yep. Like, do it over and over and over and over again. Intermittent it should have been formation. It should have been – he should have put B. No John subbing. Robinson at that wide receiver position and then ran the bubble screen with him. When you figure out what worked, dude, do it over and over again. He didn't do it. And that's what Oklahoma State did to Texas, right? They mm-hmm. figured out Spencer Sanders can only throw three routes. He can only throw running back swings. Uh, he can only throw wide receiver screens and a slant route. And they ran Texas into the Ground defensively with those three concepts over and over and over and over again. Why? Because my goodness, a damn good coach who knows. Man, we got these three adjustments. They working? Let's do them. Yep. Let's do them. I want those. I, I don't. I don't want to see any other concept other than those three concepts. And that's what Sark did. He figured out formationally what was working. He figured out personnel wise what was working. It was twelve and that tripod bunch, and he did it over, 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 over and over. Bludgeon those with it, man. That's what you do. That's football. And I, I love that he did that. That that was growth for him because he hasn't been doing it. He figured out what works, and it's like. He decided to use it sparingly. Sparingly? What the hell are you doing? It's working. <laughs> use it over and over and over again, man. That's what you do. And I'm glad he did that. That's why they won that game. That was a great in-game adjustment by him. And, and that's exactly when you get that type of mismatch. That should be what feeds you to go tempo because you want to keep. Exactly. Yep. And that's where, because at times you weren't able to see Texas earlier in the season go tempo. And a lot of it comes from if you're changing up your personnel, well, then the opponents can sub to your adjustments once you find that type of mismatch, you go with it. And like in this game, when you look at Helm snaps, 
he had his 32. 25 of them ended up being run blocking. So that's more than 75% of the time yeah, you ended up know what you were doing. Carrick was out there for one pass play. They were together 51 of the 64 snaps. Mm-hmm. You end up going through there to where you saw less and less of Keelan just because you didn't have to. And it's nothing against Keelan. He'd been great as a receiver. Yeah, you just don't need that type of unit out there in that situation. And that's good to see from Texas. And you pointed out the Whittington blocking. Like a lot of people may look at Whittington and be like, you know, receiving skill wise, he's not some elite NFL guy, but they're going to be NFL teams coming after him because of the way that you see, like, because not only can he be used like a modern-day fullback in, like, the way the Ingold's used in Miami or the way that Juszczyk's used in San Francisco, but in addition to that, he's a guy that, like, he can be so malleable to go across those different positions, and, like, you see a guy like Ben Skoranek is at role for the Rams. He's a guy that doesn't even catch the ball. He's just there to block so Cooper Cup can go and get open, and, like, those type of roles they'll be there for a guy like him because he's as elite coming out of the draft at doing that and more and more teams that are elite in the NFL do that more than anyone agreed yeah I just uh again I would I'd echo a lot of the stuff you said Rod just start kind of sticking to what was working it was it was nice to see um and I think too that it's continued growth with the offensive line I mean I've said this before that old line has surpassed my expectations admittedly I didn't have a very high bar but You've got a guy who is a like a franchise type left tackle mm-hmm. in Kelvin Banks. Uh, you've got you know Jake Majors, I think, has improved as the years gone on at center. Uh, I think in the spring you're gonna have some really good competition for those two interior line spots. Hayden Connor, we saw a little bit of DJ Campbell, you know, Colt Hudson. Thank goodness that's not a severe injury that's gonna be like a required surgery or anything like that. And then, you know, probably probably Cam Williams getting a shot to step in for Christian Jones. So, uh, And then we'll see if Texas adds anybody for depth purposes in the portal. So at the end of the day, man, this whole line that that might be the one position group that I'm most excited about going into 2023. I agree with you on that. Because, all right, because it, 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 it's like this. It is the one thing that could be the remedy for the biggest anxiety that all Longhorn fans have for the offseason, which is, no Bijan. Yeah. Right? No you're talking about no Rojo. Right? Thank you for Yeah, you're right. Even bigger, right? No Bijan, no Rojo. So your leadership. And maybe no Jay Witt. Maybe no Jay Witt. But that's different. So right, that's, right. Jay different. I'm talking about your best leader and your best player. Right. At okay. the same position. Very rare. Mm-hmm. Just very rare. Yeah. You know, unless you got it all in a combination at quarterback at one guy. But to have your best leader and best player also be at the same position, think about this, right? This offense. For Sark, and we all agree, passing game is going to be his big project over the offseason. We'll probably be doing plenty of deep dives about the passing game, you know, over kind of the offseason shows. Mm-hmm. But you start thinking about it, how many downs did he save by forcing missed tackles? Guy had him in the backfield, mm-hmm. he juked him. Yeah. You're going to get some of that from Jay Brooks. You're going to get some of that from, you know, Jaden Blue. You're going to get a little left from Keelan. You ain't going to get as much as you got. From Beach. He's, he's, special. he's got like a 99 force missed tackles. Think in your head right now how many times you've seen a guy in the backfield have him tackled or have him, you know what I mean, pretty much without options, and he finds a way to juke his way out of it and get positive. It may just be three or four yards. You're like, that should have been a five-yard loss. And Beach made a four-yard gain. Those are the types of plays I'm worried about. That's why the O-line's improving it does have to be drastic. It's got to be. It's yeah. got to be immense. It's got, we're talking about exponential improvement. Yes, they yeah. are. They are a very talented group, but they got to grow by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. because if they are just, you know, if they are just 
bet better above average next season. That's fine, but then all those plays that Bijan made, that they add you're up. gonna miss those, yeah. and they're gonna add up, right? Yeah. And then that's gonna be negative plays against the O line. Put you behind the chains over and over and over and over again. Texas was bad in third down this year, over and over and over again. Behind the chains ain't good. And then teams like uh, my man, uh, you know, Matt, Matt just brought up. Now you opened up to the pass rush mm-hmm. because teams are put you in a predictable pass situation. So the biggest issue for Texas is replacing Bijan and Rojo, but not necessarily personnel-wise because they're too special. You're not going to be able to replace them. But the, replacing that culture with because Rojo was your leader, but also the plays that Bijan made yeah. that should have been plays that negative plays that put you behind the chain. Yeah, I, I don't want to sound too hyperbolic when I say this. Cause Texas had good running back since then. It's probably, and I, again, I love Cedric Benson, Jamal Charles, Deontay Foreman. It's probably been since Ricky that you had a back that could consistently maximize runs the way Bijan can. Agreed. They do it different ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how special Bijan is. I mean, <laughs> when, there, there's a reason why in this day and age of football, he's going to be a running back that goes in the first round. Think about that. Yeah. To me, that's the biggest compliment. Yeah. And he's he's going to be going up draft boards when normally they all go down draft boards once you get around the process because his receiving skill may be as good or better. When you talk amongst receiving mm-hmm. running backs, you could say he's more elite than anybody at doing that, which is just crazy. I think too, Rod, with the old line though, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this because I know we'll we'll talk about it going forward. We have plenty of time between plenty of time between now and the start of spring ball. But like Kelvin Banks wasn't here for the spring. DJ Campbell wasn't here for last spring. Cam Williams wasn't here for yeah. the spring. So there's a chance that the rate of development for those guys just by being here for winter conditioning and spring ball and the bowl practices for those guys. Uh, because if I'm if I'm Sark and Kyle Flood. And and Sark is true to his word, and you're treating the first half of the bowl practices with the spring ball mentality. Get, I mean, you might not need to see Kelvin Banks take a bunch of reps because I don't know how many snaps he played this year. I haven't looked at it, Matt. If you can find that real quick, yeah. Kelvin Banks snap count. But you know, you can get Cam Williams some good reps in the offense. You can get DJ Campbell some good reps, or oh, yeah. Malik Ogbo, or Nato Meazulu, whoever. You can get a really good look at those guys and get an idea kind of a what what your depth chart. Is going to look like once you get to spring ball. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, especially since you know you're going back to, you basically get back to foundation work when you have bowl games, whatever the three weeks are. Um, first half of that is always just foundation work, like you do during training camp and like you do during spring uh, spring practice, like you said. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think for Kelvin Banks, I man, gosh, probably going to be if he's not first team All Big Twelve, he's going to be second team All Big Twelve. Yep, and uh, he's a true freshman. Yeah, he had 792 <laughs> snaps on the season. Almost it was third snaps. most. Christian. Christian yeah. Jones had 811, Jake Majors had 794, Kelvin Banks 792, Hayden Connor 784, and this is insanely impressive. Jatavian Sanders is fifth at 749, just never leaving the field. Cole Hudson 743, and then Whittington at 736. And reason you see Sanders and Whittington out there is that blocking ability that we talk about. They're mm-hmm. so valuable that they can't yeah. leave the field because then Worthy at 671, and then Bijan at 558. And then I pulled also the uh, missed tackles forced on receptions because Bijan and Rojo are elite on that, and it's not included on a lot of the stats you'll see. So overall, 107 missed tackles forced on 276 touches for Bijan, which is insanely elite. 50 for Rojo on 108. Yeah. Yeah. 
again, I don't want to get too far ahead. Like I hope Jay Witt comes back because I still, for me, just the way I I view offensive football, I still need that that wide receiver who's built like a running back that you can throw him a screen on third and six and he can bull his way or power his way or get his you know maneuver his way for that extra last two yards to get you past the sticks. Yeah, you know, I still he does still that. need that kind of guy. But with Jatavian Sanders is interesting because. By the way, if he catches two passes in the bowl game, uh, he'll break David Thomas's school record for single season receptions by a tight end. He's a forty nine. David Thomas was a fifty. He honestly should have broke that during the regular season. That's yeah, Sark. Yeah, and a little bit on him too. He had some drops. Yeah, he did. Like the TCU game was this was pass game. Yep. Yeah. Go right would've through his hands on third and four would have been a touchdown, an empty formation, right out the a gate. brilliant play design, beautiful throw, went right yep. through his hands. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was just – I felt like it was equal parts. I just felt like Quinn – it came out too hot maybe. and Or maybe JT should have had his hands up. I don't Man, know. Maybe I, we're I, split I, it came out hot, but it was because he sir. was open. You're an NFL tight end, sir. I'm sorry. It went right through your hands. Well, sorry. And he, NFL, and, sorry. I'm giving yeah. you a compliment. Yeah. You're an NFL tight end. You yep. got it. It went right through your hands. I, but, there ain't nothing to, too hot, whatever. Ball wasn't – it wasn't perfectly spiral. I don't give a damn. It went <laughs> right through your hands. You're an NFL tight end. And you didn't have a guy barreling down on you nope, with a no. TV right on you. No, no. That was pitch and catch. Yeah. And you just dropped it. Yep. And that was Sorry. why Quinn saw him so wide open that he's like, I got to get him to the ball as fast as I can and put it on him. But that's where Jatavian just his hands were up and it went right through him. If he snapped his head around quicker, maybe he does get his hands up quicker. But I digress. Yeah. You know, we got the news over the weekend that Jaleel Billingsley is no longer with the team, mm-hmm. not going to be around. And as much as Sark focuses on the tight end, as much as he says the tight end is a big part of the offense, the Jaleel Billingsley suspension and that portal take not panning out, it was a blessing in disguise because you remember how they were going to set up the offense. They were going to have J- uh, Jaleel Billingsley in the role Jatavian Sanders is in, and Sanders was going to be in that Gunner Helm role. That's initially what Sark had talked about. Because of his run blocking ability. But because of the Billingsley suspension, now JT had to be the move guy and the guy, the every down guy. Now you've got Gunnar Helm in that blocking role when you go 12 personnel. And it turns out, wow, we found a legit live NFL tight end. Just by It almost reminds you of like the, the Deontay Foreman, Chris Warren bit in 2016, right? Like Deontay Foreman doesn't rush for 2,000 yards if Chris Warren doesn't get hurt in the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, I think Jatavian, though, would have elevated. Just His, his yeah, obvious talent would have that, just been the cream would have rise to the top. Been, it been, just I, expedited I, the yeah, process. That would have been a miscalculation, in my opinion. Because <laughs> like, you can say those I, things we coming we in because we had to have a was not a good blocker, so he was a liability as, as a blocker, which made, to me means he was easy. He made your offense more predictable Yeah, yeah. he was out there. Because Jatavian Sanders is a better blocker and Gunnar Helms is a better blocker. Now, they don't put Gunnar Helm out on routes very often, but he has been out there on routes. I don't know. I, I thought that would have been a miscalculation to just assume that a five-star athlete like Jatavian Sanders, as Matt said, wouldn't have eventually surpassed him. You, you probably would have you would have gotten there, but at what point would you have gotten there? Would You wouldn't have gotten to it as quick as you did. Yeah, it wouldn't have been extra. No, right, no, no, right, no, no, right, no, right off the so, jump. But I was like, I said, that's a, that's right a, that's a miscalculation yeah. beforehand. <laughs> but at least you found that guy. Hey, Rod, we, the whole time we've been doing this podcast, you and I have been talking about the five-tool tight end. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I feel now at the end of the regular season, I feel safe saying Texas has one now. They do. Finally. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Finally. Yeah. The ghosts of Durham Smythe and mm-hmm. Devon Eric Clarington and DeAndre McNeil, they're all buried, buried, dead and gone now. Yeah. 
Yep. And it, Jatavian Sanders is taking it over. It allows Helm to be a guy that develops into one because I remember when he committed, you were talking about how good Helm was. And with Jatavian, it was he's a five star freak. Wherever you put him, he's going to be good. We just don't know if he's going to be on offense or defense. Yep. And then whenever Sark saw him and was like, yeah. Yeah, if you're an offensive-minded coach and you see that, you're going to most likely stay on that offensive <laughs> side, and I think that was the right decision. Excuse me, I think I, I think I talked about this last couple of weeks. I've mentioned it before. I was on the, no, Jatavian Sanders needs to be on defense until I watched him in a high school game <laughs> in person, like one-handed balls and taking bubble screens and burning off on guys. I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, he, he's different. Yeah, and he has and moves. Yes, he can play He can play on offense. Yeah. Play, yeah. On my, play. play on my offense anytime. He's been impact play on defense too, but you're right. I mean, he makes your offense special. Mm-hmm. He makes your offense special. And when you watch him, you're like, those are the type of t- tight ends you see in the NFL. Like a guy yeah. that doesn't look like a tight end. When he's running, he looks like a skill guy in the open field. Like that's an underrated part. You mm-hmm. talked about uh, Whittington, and I agree f- fully with you, Jeff, with the, his ability to get the yards going forward. Mm-hmm. But he's also so good at using space and understanding the you know the pursuit angles of mm-hmm. his defenders and using their own speed and pursuit against them because they yeah. don't think this blocky guy can go and stop on a dime and change direction. And like that's something we saw with – the Tom Herman era, it was really I, – if I were to say one thing that stood out to me and what was improved at Texas was Texas's ability for their skill guys to understand what to get going forward. And Jay Witt's sort of like that perfect guy that knows yeah. not only how to fall, when to roll, but then how to use those angles on the outside and to be able to just pick up that extra cutback and get four or five yards and then give one back to another guy. Yeah, I think that's why running back would have worked for him because mm-hmm. of the vision, the patience, just a natural – Rod, you've seen guys like that. You're like, man, that dude's just a natural runner of the football. Yeah, he's just great he's, with the ball. He's a great ball carrier with yeah. the ball in his hands. Um, let me ask you this. What do you make of Xavier Worthy this year? It's a regression, no question. Um, I'm a little upset, you know, because I think Brandon Marion is a damn good coach, but we've seen regression from a couple of receivers, actually. Him, Kane. Uh, Jay Witt's actually the only receiver I think that bona, we can bona fide say, oh, man, that guy got better. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he got better at this point. He was just healthier. Yeah. He finally stayed healthy, so we finally got to see him more because he was healthy. I think we all agreed. Yeah, Jay he almost Witt was got killed on the screen yeah. this weekend. He, man, Ooh, that was an unbelievable. Was. He took it. So, his tweet was great. He was like, before you ask, yeah, that hurt. It did hurt, yeah. <laughs> no, it looked like it hurt, too. Um, but, yeah, that, you know, so I mean, the wide receiver room, I don't think it got better. And I, I'm i a big Bren, Brendan Marion fan. You guys I think know we that. all are, yeah. I advocated for him to come. I think still think he's a hell of a coach. But, you know, Rob, he's going to keep it real. Even when keeping it real goes wrong. And wide receivers, I don't think they got better. Yeah, if I mean, you look at them. And individually, you could argue they yeah. got worse. They regressed. So, um, for Brendan Marion, he's got to figure that out. Um, I do like the fact that they, you know, they block or take pride in blocking. But your best receiver, you know, I mean, he regressed. And now there are rumors. Xavier Worthy could Tons be looking at the transfer market <laughs> because he wants to, you know, he wants to see if he what his market value is. Maybe he believes his market value is higher than he's getting here at Texas in terms of NIO value. So that's the rumor. Anyway. Or, or just a good way to leverage your, to get what you need here, yeah, too. I mean, guys, it's, it, these are contracts modern, now. So yeah, guys will be up football. in contracts, and it makes sense. I mean, that's just, hey, if, I, if I'm jailing forward, <laughs> I tell you right now, I'm going to Texas and going, all right, guys, I'm defensive player of the year. I know I might have been getting some modest subs, some, but now y'all y'all need to come and give me a little compensation. Or, he, my can, or he can go to the NFL and make I it there. He can there. go to the NFL and go that way. Or he can decide, you know what, I'll hit the transfer market, which is basically these days inexplicably linked 
to the you know NIL, and he's gonna go there, and somebody's gonna pay him and big money. Jalen Ford, Jalen Ford's leverage is extremely yeah. Know, or Texas will say, right hey, no, 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 man, you're right, you're right, you're worth being paid like defensive player of the year of a Power Five conference. So all these guys, I know people don't like it, but this is what what happens when the free market came to college football, and you know this is the reality of it because the NCAA are too cowardice to actually try to regulate this thing and put some you know some some checks and balances in place. So. Now guys get to go back to the negotiating table every year, depending on what they do. Now, if I was Texas, I'd go, sorry, you know, X-Man, you didn't, man, you actually got worse. So if you want to truly have a negotiation, I could say, hey, man, you are actually not worth this. But then you do that and you lose your best receiver. You want to well, lose yeah, your best receiver? That wouldn't be the So I'm just saying, like, it, it's, you, you have to play the game. This yeah. is the game now. And that's the main Don't thing. Hate the players, hate if the game. you're going to be mad, be mad at the system. The players yeah. are just playing it's within playing the game, rules. Man. And I mean, everybody goes to college to better their future. I don't know why people view football players differently than that. So that should be a simple way to look at it. And if it's the system, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing to put numbers of regression to it. You know, last year, worthy in Sark's offense, 2.61 yards per route run. This year, Dropped down to 1.93. And if you look across the board, yeah, it, it dropped down really for the whole Texas passing game. Whittington went from 237 down to 166. The only guy, and it's a guy that we were like, well, man, if he could just develop anything receiving, was Keelan Robinson exploded for 3.51 yeah. yards it's per amazing. route run. He only went out for 51 routes, but he was valuable. He didn't have any drops. Like we talked about it last year, literally last season. Every time he was targeted down past the line of scrimmage, he dropped the ball. This year, he was as good as you can get. It's just used in limited s- snaps. Yeah, to give Tashard Troy some credit. I mean, that was something they had to work on, his hands downfield, and, and they used it. Teams, you could tell teams were basing their scouting report mm-hmm. on Kenny Robinson from last season. Like, yep. oh, no, he goes downfield. Don't worry about it. He's not going to catch the ball. This year, they, they, they killed teams with that. Yep, good value. <laughs> A lot of opening script plays were those. Yep, exactly right. Yeah, I'm just looking at, Rod, to your point about X's season, um, I got the PFF numbers pulled up. Nice. Reception percentage mm-hmm. is basically targets against catches. Uh, went from 60.2 last year down to 52.5 mm-hmm. this year. And that's he, a coupled with the quarterback. Uh, yak situation. dropped from 15.8 to 12.9. Yep. Uh, yards per route run, Matt, you were just talking about yards per route run, 2.61 down to 1.93. A yak per reception, 8.5 down to 5.4. Uh, his average depth of target was up, 13.4 well, yeah, last he year, He became the deep threat, right? Yep. That's why the Isaiah Nayor oh, loss yeah, really hurt him because, mm-hmm. you know, that, the, the I think the, cap, the predictability, the, the, really the mathematical equation that Sark was going to present to the defense they could not solve was keeping a, a safety over the top of Isaiah Nayor as a deep threat, then trying to double X-man as your wide receiver one and stack the box versus Bijan. He had to change things up because Nayor got hurt. So I think it ended up being like JT Sanders basically as the guy that threatened the seam all the time mm-hmm. um, and then having to still double X-man, but he needed to he needed the deep threat ability of X-man, so he became more of a deep threat, which almost pigeonholed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really hurt his ability to expand his skill set as a true wide receiver. So I think for Sark, that was the, the he he didn't he didn't know Isaiah Nayor was going to get hurt, but they really threw off the the whole mechanism, really, if you will, of his offensive Be- ide- yeah. ideology. To your point, Rob, because the other number that stands out to me in terms of how he was used, the A dots up by mm-hmm. you know four yards or whatever, yep, over four point. yards, uh, missed tackles forced. 14 last year, four this year. That's fewer screen passes. That's oh, yeah. few, that's not using him in a short game. 
And then Quinn couldn't hit the deep balls. It'd be different mm-hmm. if you used him as a deep yeah. threat and you were actually productive and efficient and effective. You weren't. Yep. So those were just kind of lost. So basically, down. the only the only area where he improved from last year was average depth of target, which Texas fans, like you just point out, Rob, they'll look at that and say, well, yeah, you throw him a bunch of deep balls, but how many of them did he catch? Like, contested catch rate was down. Yep. Uh, drop rate was up. So No, it, it, it's there's no doubt about it. He was not as good this year. And I, and I wonder if he's frustrated with, you know, the, the way he was used or frustrated with, you know, the, the, the quarterback play. I don't know. I mean, not, him and Quinn are, I'm assuming, real good friends. Yeah. They live they together. Live together yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I hope he uh, understands that Sark, if Sark is in love with you as a wide receiver, you're mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's where if I think. Sark likes you as a wide out, you going to get yours, man. I, I, so I, I just don't really understand. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. No 20-year-old X-Man right now. So. And when you look at this conversation, we're just pointing out the numbers because everybody is a part of the offense and everybody's impacted by the other players on the field and wide receivers probably the most because if the O-line protects, the quarterback can probably put balls in better spots. And across the board, mm-hmm. if like Nayor, we talked about that. The second it happened, we explained how big this is going to be because now X-Man doesn't get to be that – guy that is going to get that one-on-one coverage that we were hoping and praying because like last year it was like 4.31 yards in verse man he was just so here from last season yeah 4.37 verse man last season yep. and you just want to find those scenarios to get him in man same Whittington was at 3.19 but then whenever you don't have another receiver to take off the top because if, at least last year you had Marcus Washington and Joshua Moore were running deep routes they weren't as effective but like they actually ran they had a dots of over 12 and over 13 yeah. so you had somebody doing that stretching and now x-man was a freshman probably wasn't respected as much as he should have been which got him open and that's why when Nayor went down we're like man now it's going to be x-man has to be that vertical stretcher of the defense sometimes those guys like deshaun jackson's playing on the ravens he got signed out of nowhere because mm-hmm. he has a value still because you want to be able to pull those defenders away from not only lamar jackson but from your screen game in duvernay and when bateman went out who was their vertical stretcher yep. that vertical stretcher is so valuable and it's something that when you make your best play become that not only is he now less potent because his role's different but then also he may be getting more attention because he's worthy of it no pun intended um nice one thing i want to mention thank you for that coincidence punny uh i do want to go back to the defense real quick before we start to wrap up shout out to alfred collins that's the best game alfred collins has played since his freshman year i think yeah i like that yeah he I'm showed up consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, you you felt his presence throughout the game. I agree with that, yeah. And, you know, when we talk about that run defense ride, that interior D-line, Collins is coming on. You know, Vernon Broughton was out for this game, didn't dress. Uh, but if Tavondre Sweat comes back, he did not go through the senior day uh, festivities before the game. Oh, that's nice. I like that. If Sweat comes back, Ooh. you get Broughton back, Collins back, Byron Murphy back. Yeah, it's going to sting losing Coburn and Ojemo, but really you're – Okay. Like an like an Aaron Bryant or a Chris Ross away from being right back where you were. You were, I mean, you were five six deep this year. To Ooh. me, I'm with you. I think you're just going to be four deep. Yep. Yeah. Which I got to tell you, you're still deeper than eighty percent of the teams in the country when it comes to their interior D linemen. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. He had four. Collins had four tackles, a sack, and two pressures. Yeah. And that game. I mean, that's a hell of a game for him. And I'm with you. I think I don't know if the lights going off because that you know it's flickering though. 
for him. Yeah. And if it ooh, when that it goes off for him though, at his size and all of his measurables, yeah. God help everybody else. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like Bo Davis is is one of those coaches that the light bulb needs to come on. It's it needs to flicker at some point. Otherwise, he you probably, ain't gonna see the field. Yeah, you're just getting, well, you can't. There's too many good players. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't afford to give you reps as you ain't balling. Yeah. I got Coburn. I got Ojemo. I got Byron Murphy. I got like Sweat. Sweat. I got so many guys. Yeah. Dude, matter of fact. I, w- I was hearing a conversation, uh, I think it was Colburn talking. He's like, honestly, man, we don't even see the field that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, mainly I get like 25 reps. All of us get like 25, 30 reps, and that's about it. You better mash. And they, they mm-hmm. always have that mentality, like, man, I better make the most out of my reps. If I don't, my reps could decrease because yeah. there's yeah. so much competition. We started to hear p- teams like Clemson and Alabama talked about that. When you can get to that cream of man. the crop, but then you're able to get so – I mean, hell – Shano's 49ers have been like that on they their D-line because like you can go – because these guys can just go by definition. They got All two long ones, too. No breaks. They yeah, got a son of Ridgeway and a Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. They're both doing real well. They're doing and, well. But, yeah, if you were able to do that on the D-front because you had so many out there, and I think it's worth pointing out only because we saw it happen in previous uh, seasons, now this post-COVID year where, guys, we don't know – if you want to take that year on the back end of your college career at other schools, there've been times where a guy went through senior day, but then didn't hear what he wanted to hear with the NFL. So the door isn't even closed on guys. It's not going to most likely not going to happen at Texas, but just worth mentioning since there is that chance still until that COVID year evaporates off your eligibility. No, you're right about that. That's a good point. But those guys are all NIL has just changed things for guys who are going to get drafted like late round guys. Like you're going to get drafted in the sixth or the seventh round. And that's basically what you can get drafted last year young. anyway. Man, stay and make that NIL money. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, if you can make and get NIL that, and get, money. And get a start on your master's degree. Like, guys will now consider that. Yeah, when it's they worth wouldn't doing. consider it before. No way. I mean? there was, you had to go yeah. get into your profession. You had to go get the money. Yeah, you had to go um, get <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Matt, I forgot what you said. It was going to be a bad segue on my part anyway. <laughs> I'm out next week. So oh, yeah. it'll just be Matt and Rod. And you guys will be recording the day after the transfer portal opens. <laughs> oh, Lord. Chaos. Yeah. Since we've been sitting here, oh, wow. since I got in this studio, Troy O'Meary, Prince Dorba, Dang. J.D. Coffey, mm-hmm. and Andre Carrick all announced their intentions to enter the transfer portal. The transfer portal giveth and it also taketh away. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's going to be so <laughs> many players in it. So it's four players say, so from me right here, so Dorba, who's the other one? Uh, J.D. Coffey. J.D. Coffey. And Andre Carrick. Carrick, hey, man, you was in the Big 12 package, man. He's like, I, the hell with this Big 12 I gonna, package. I ain't going to be no jumbo lineman. I don't make a living doing no jumbo line. I love that. He's like, the hell with that Big I got to make a package. living. I got to get the hell out of here. But All again, right, for the pre, this is, and Troy O'Meary falls. That's NFL tape, though. Troy O'Meary falls into this bubble, too. This is this is when you get these attrition cases, and with the portal, it's worse. Those guys were in the 2020 class. They were recruited by Tom Herman. Those guys fit what that staff was looking for on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a Connor Williams starter kit, and they wanted a big bodied X receiver. I don't give a damn how fast he is. Just want somebody that can go up and make contested catches. 50-50, now, Sark likes guys that can get yards after the catch. He likes a different type of receiver. Kyle Flood likes big humans. That's why Cam Williams and Kelvin Banks and DJ Campbell are here. Mm-hmm. And Andre Carrick really doesn't fit that. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, it's and I think at at one point now we're gonna realize that you know the attrition rates really don't matter anymore because of the transfer portal. Yeah. Almost made a moot 
point or a moot Great stat point. to keep up with because you're you're bringing in, unless you're going to keep in with how many guys you're bringing in and bringing out. Just well, you, you know, you're bring you almost managing your roster now like an NFL yeah. front office because you got NIL money now associated linked to the transfer portal. You only got so much NIL money now. We know that, and those are going to certain positions. We know that from Ryan Day saying, "Oh no, no, my top notch quarterbacks get this, my top DNs get this." So as an NFL, as a, like an NFL GM, you're almost looking at your college roster, saying, um, you know, it would it would have been worth to get an Oshun Mathis? He's gonna cost us seventy five thousand. We probably could have gotten that from this other guy for thirty thousand. You know what I mean? Like you, you're yeah. making those decisions. You know what I mean? That's crazy, but that's yeah. exactly what's going on now. And I can't even wrap my brain around. It. I don't even, their jobs are so much harder than they used to be. You almost just got to hire yourself a GM yeah. and keep up with your money and also who's getting what and if they're actually you're getting return on that investment and if it's actually worth value-wise making that investment on specific players. Because technically the coaches aren't the ones doing this. It's all the collectives. And and now, but now they can talk to the collectives. They can talk to the now collectives. They, so now they can go tell the collector. They go tell Organize. Someone, I, don't, I, I want this linebacker or I don't need this linebacker. Don't give that linebacker that money. Yeah. Don't give it to him. You tell them, don't give X Man the money. Don't do it. Yeah. We're not gonna give it to him. We're gonna, we're gonna give it to one of these, uh, like the these NY receivers who transfer enough. We're gonna give it to him. Like, you can do that now. Yeah. You can really it's crazy and it's legal. Yeah. You it's go crazy. out there, it's a mixture of the NFL GM and like a Jerry Jones right? aspect to where you just can go and overrule the guy Man. that's actually, but it's it's an odd way to look at the way that ma- we got to really make sure those BBs are in a box. Every, right? You can't have no rogue Sherwood Blunts going and promising things to players that are, you know, n- like playing time or this position or this money if then the coach doesn't want that scenario. It's crazy, man. It's, uh, but that's where a guy like Bobby Merritt for the staff comes in huge because not only is he over the transfer portal, but he... It was in the CFL, but he was an assistant GM in the CFL. He was in the NFL, so he's got an idea of, of the front yeah, office working. Exactly right. And man. I think this is where Sark's time in the NFL. You need that comes mm-hmm. into comes into you play. You got to start looking at it like that. Yeah, after, good after, after the season's over, now you can't assume that any of your your top guys are going to stay. You got to have the meetings with all of them, and then see where they are mindset wise. And you got to do that's a great. I'll, I'll give this Gundy quote, and then we can get out of here because I know we're we're running over. It's a great quote. From uh, Mike Gundy. And they asked him about it, too. Yeah. Here's, what, here's what Gundy said. They asked him on if he had conversations uh, in the coming days with their players on decisions to return or not. He says, nope, I don't have those conversations. A little bit different times th- today. These players have conversations with their family and representatives, and at some point, they'll let me know. They'll let us know two, three weeks from now, probably, I don't get involved in those conversations. And they asked him why he doesn't. He said, I mean, what am I going to say? It's their future. It's their career. They'll have representatives. They'll have a family member. They'll have thoughts on what they want to do. The head coach is really not a factor in that. So he says, he's, I'm not even a factor in it. He said, the guys will come to me and let me know. Uh, I think that's probably the wrong approach. I think you should be communicating. Should be, I think you should be intervening and yeah. almost saying, no, 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 no. I, I want, I want you to come here. And how much, how much is, how much do we have to pay? And what's the price tag? It's why we Lincoln saw. Lincoln Riley is probably taking the opposite approach. It's why last <laughs> off season we saw Saban losing his mind because every yeah. the games changed he knows. and now he he, everybody else had, can contend, but also it's a whole new task and a whole new thing that I yeah. don't have any control of. And no, if you're no. a control freak. The way that these guys at exactly. the top are, it makes your head explode. It makes your head explode. <laughs> it's a great point. Uh, by the way, um, another portal. Yeah, DJ, <laughs> D- great. I said a joke. DJ DJ Harris just tweeted his intention to enter the transfer portal. All right, that's another. Just since that conversation, it's, like, it's 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 gonna happen every year now. This yeah, is, but this is every program. This is not mm-hmm. a Texas right. thing. No. This, is not, this is everybody. everybody. By the way, I don't. I saw something. Uh, let me see if I can pull this. And up some real quick. coaches are like, yes. 
Thank God, another spot. Yeah. I need that roster spot. And I need that. I need that. That guy go, going. That guy wasn't doing nothing but taking up a spot and eating free meals. Glad you. <laughs> glad you mentioned that. Uh, glad you mentioned that. Um. This is another one of those uncapped years in terms of initial counters. Exactly. Yeah. So as long as you don't go over the eighty-five, you can do take what you and want. figure it out later. Like, uh, yeah. Sometimes are like, oh yeah, man. All right, keep up with me. Only yeah. way I have to know, just like, hey man, we'll see you later, please. So yeah, the portal is uh, the portal is going to be wild, man. And uh, I'm sure you know we kind of expected this. That some of these names we had been hearing about behind the scenes, like we'd heard about Andre Carrick and JD Coffee and some of these other guys. I don't think it's that much of a surprise because this is when Sark was supposed to start having his one-on-ones was starting mm-hmm. was this week. So, you know, and it's it's going to be guys that maybe they go down to a lower level or whatever, uh, whatever the case is. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to happen every year. And and Matt, Matt, maybe we are done tracking attrition rates and bust rates. Maybe we need to do kind of pre pre portal post portal. Yeah, something. Yeah. We'll, we'll, it's, just it's, like, it's, it's a fluid situation, so we'll see how it goes. We just gotta. I don't know. We'll figure. We'll figure something out and make it work. But uh, next week, Matt and Rod, it will. Uh, I'm sure you guys will do good chopping it up on on whatever, whatever you guys want to chop it up about. Um, football. All right, that's gonna do it for this week, Matt. Thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B. Appreciate the time and the knowledge. He's on, brother. Anytime. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Ball Online with Mike Hard from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast search horns 24 7 anywhere you get your podcasts that's horns 247 no spit no dashes no slashes no spaces click that follow button and get every episode of the blitz when it drops on tuesdays and don't forget to leave us a five-star review For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.